Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 242, brought to you by Welcome.com. Our good friends at Bud Light, Sid Golden here with the duck. Kirk Bowles, jam-packed podcast today, duck. We've got Texas basketball coach Chris Beard will be joining us a little later. Um, a, a little FYI to our, our listeners, uh, we had some, we were undergoing a studio change, so we had some audio problems in that interview, but it was such good stuff that we're still going to run it, and we apologize in advance for that. Uh, Duck, it's still football season, sad to say, the Longhorns at West Virginia on Saturday. You're headed up with the Davis boys. Is there any way you could talk our bosses out of sending us to that? I know, I know you're just sick about missing this trip. I am. I am. You're eating your heart out. So uh, I will imagine you're on the couch uh, all day Saturday watching the best in college football. So, uh, yeah, I did a radio uh, interview with the West Virginia outlet this week, and they said it's going to be 52 degrees and cloudy and overcast. You always take 10 degrees off. When the locals say it's going to be something, you take off 10 degrees if it's above the Mason-Dixon. So you plan you know me, for I hate cold. I hate Big cold. Coat, so I, Big coat. I will bring I will bring a jacket. I don't know if I'll bring the pea coat or not, but I will bring a jacket for sure. So, you know, they're playing out the string. I mean, let's call it what it is. And uh, I mean, just right off the top, do you see any way they're gonna win out these last two games, Sid? They might because we don't expect them to. But yeah, uh, but if I'm a betting man, and I am, Duck, I am, but I don't bet on Longhorn stuff. I would bet against them. I see them. I could see a one and one. I could see. I could see West Virginia pulling it together. If Kansas can come down here and beat Texas and Austin, you're telling me that the Mountaineers, even though they're two and five overall and four right. and six in conference play, can hold serve in the mountains against the Longhorns were broken and battered and traveling. Yeah, the last two weeks on the road, the last two games, I'll say, on at Ames, Iowa, where you were, they scored all of seven points. And then the, the road trip before that was Waco. They didn't play great and blew 11-point third-quarter lead. So you're right. I mean, you know, I know West Virginia is a slight favorite. Uh, I'm not the biggest Jarrett Dagey fan in the world. I think he's very inconsistent. Uh but he, he leads the Big 12 in passing yardage. He's got 245 yards a game through the year, and, and you got to respect that. And Letty Brown, as you and I both know, is a man. He's What's a bullish running him, back. I don't know. I, I think they must be having some offensive line problems themselves because he's only averaging 75 
yards a game, but he does have 11 touchdowns. And uh, as a team, they rank last in the Big 12, 112 yards a game on the ground. So I'm not sure what's up with that. Something tells me they're going to figure some things out on the ground on Saturday because teams run it. Teams running on this PK defense and big picture. Uh, we never saw, we didn't see this coming. We both had them at eight and four. I think Brian Davis may have had them at nine and three and Daniel Davis had them at 10 and two. And so it's a, it's an ugly season. It is going to be over soon. And I think that uh, when Chris Del Conte, Jay Hartzell, and Kevin L-type brought in Sarkeesian. They they thought they were bringing in Saban's trusted assistant, and they are. They got him. But there's a big difference between being an assistant and being a head coach of a sleeping giant that's been yeah. asleep for quite a while. No, you're right. I mean, just because you're a great coordinator doesn't mean you're a great head coach. David McWilliams, one of the best defensive coordinators I've ever been around at Texas. He came to Texas uh, after a one-year head coaching apprenticeship, if you will, at Texas Tech, and then came here for five years at three losing seasons. You know, Will Muschamp's another one. Uh, Muschamp, again, one of the best defensive minds I've ever been around. And uh, nobody was better at adjusting. But he was a miserable failure at Florida in South Carolina. And I kind of think he's his career as a head coach is done. I can't imagine him. He's done getting another chance. Now, I'd love to see, you know, Sarkeesian bring in a Will Muschamp to run the defense or a Gary Patterson, like we've talked about, although I keep thinking Gary Patterson, he might show up at Virginia Tech. You know, they let go Justin Fuente this week, and I know they're buddies, though. I don't know if Gary Patterson would, would you know, come in after Justin Fuente, but a job's a job, you know. And, and you're Justin, not Justin used to work for, for the little yeah. general. Yeah, and I don't, you know, and Patterson's not done, obviously. No, no. We're getting off track a little bit because, like you say, I mean, so I'll ask you straight out. Was it a mistake to hire Steve Sarkeesian as head coach at Texans? It's too early to say that. I'm, I'm not ready to go there yet. Um, right. I, I do I do believe that, um, and I stood behind what I said when they hired him. I thought it was a lukewarm hire. It wasn't a home run hire, 34 and 29 as a head coach and uh, great that he, that he's overcome some personal obstacles in his life. And I really enjoy our conversations with coach Sarkeesian. He's a football man and he's no nonsense. And I enjoy that, that part about it. But at the same time, it, it hasn't equated to wins and uh, you know, the locker rooms has to be divided when you lose, like they've lost duck, there's no way uh, for a locker room to be united. Uh, they were, they're five and one. They're on their way to five and one if they hold a 28-7 lead over OU. And then the very next week, they're on their way to going up 24-3 in the second quarter against the mm-hmm. Oklahoma State Cowboys, and they throw an 80-yard pick six. And so the, it's been all downhill from there. It's been an avalanche of misfortune and um, Sarkeesian, has had a lot of uh, answers, but uh, the results have not followed those answers. Well, losing to Kansas anywhere is not a good sign. Losing to Kansas at home on your own field <clears throat> is even worse and very problematic. And 
I don't know, you know, said you and I were at the game and wrote about it. And what's really troubling was the start, you know, they got off to, you know, trailing 35 to 14 to Kansas at the halftime. You know, you're, you're not even competitive at that point. It was just the opposite of the Iowa State road game you were at. They're leading seven to three against a, a good, not a great, a good Iowa State team at home. Against a one and eight Kansas, they're down by twenty one. And yeah, you know the the two sack slash fumbles and the pick six had a lot to do with that because Texas had four turnovers and Kansas had zero. But there's no way to sugarcoat a loss to Kansas or trailing by twenty one twice in the game. And you know, and, and he was very, uh, you know, he goes, we came back and we won, we 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 outscored them thirty five fourteen to force overtime and I'm sitting there going why are you in a dog fight with the Kansas jail why are you in a fire fight with Kansas and Texas has struggled against Kansas in recent times so um I you know we me and you have gone back and forth about this coaching staff and you're you think he might dig his heels in and think he's going to stay pat I don't think so heads a couple of heads are going to have to roll in my opinion but think you would think so. You're right. Well, but he, he sounded stubborn, didn't he, Monday? A little stubborn. And, uh, yeah, let's let the listeners uh, uh, draw their own conclusion. Listen to the exchange he had with our own Brian Davis. Steve, with signing day one month away from today, has, has anyone uh, in administrative circles told you that you need to make staff changes? Or ha- are you prepared to say that, that this staff will return intact? <clears throat> Uh, no, no one's no one's told me that at all. Um, you know, when I got hired, I, I give our I give our administration a lot of credit. They gave me the resources to go hire. Um, you know, what I opinion was arguably the best staff in the country, if not one of the top staffs in the country. Um, these guys didn't forget to coach overnight. <laughs> They've been doing it for a long time at a very high level. They're championship caliber coaches. Uh, they've developed NFL players. They developed all Americans, all conference players. Uh, they've competed for championships. They've won championships, whether it's at the college ranks or in the NFL. Uh, so I've got a lot of belief in our staff. But, but, but hear me when I say this, and this isn't a negative. When the season comes to an end, I evaluate everything in our program. And you ultimately do what's in the best interest of the university and the program. Um, and that's not to say I'm going to evaluate nutrition, strength and conditioning, practice, our format. Um, you know, our schemes, our coaches, our players, that's all encompassing. And that's, that's part of the job to do that. But no, I have not been told that I need to make changes. They didn't forget to coach overnight. <laughs> not overnight. Uh, but maybe over, the last, over the last five games, they maybe forgotten how to coach. I, um, I, I know that someone's got to pay. It ain't going to be Sarkeesian. No. But somebody's got to go. And I don't think it's going to be PK either even though it should be PK, but I yeah. don't think they want to give PK $4 million to go away. So it'd, it'd probably be more looking at Andre Coleman, the receiver coach, Jeff Banks, special teams, tight ends, great recruiter because of all the off the field drama, maybe Blake Gideon, you know, safety's coach. Uh, he's Brendan, Brendan Schooler's coach. Yes. 
He knows how to drop passes. Like, like coach, like like student. Yeah, student was a wide receiver. For, for if, if, if ever there was a guy you'd want him throwing the ball to at the end of the game, it's it's Brendan. Yeah. How many jugs machines has he has he made friends with? You got to catch. You just got to yeah. catch that. Make a play. Make a play. And you and I were yesterday after the. The uh, press conference, you and I were looking at the video because Keandre Coburn said, man, I just almost got a fingertip on that two-point pass for the conversion of the win, and and they did. He, he was just an inch off or something like that. But then he was this close to knocking that pass down win, but at the same time, they're this far away from being a good team. So this even if they won, it wouldn't have – it wouldn't have matched a whole lot of deficiencies on this team. No, it wouldn't have. And 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 I feel bad for really nice guys on the team like Bijan Robinson, like Snacks. Yeah, right. Those are good. Rojo is decent. And and Casey is decent. Those are they're really nice young men and they, they represent they the school in classy professional fashion. They're just not winning football games, and that's a real problem. And and uh, like Steve said, winning is contagious, but so is losing. And it's it's an avalanche right now. And what are they going to do? And uh, no no one has confidence in them. They don't have confidence in themselves. And it's just like one of those things where you look at a duck and you go, you know what? It's time for it to be over. And they probably don't need to go to a bowl game. Yeah, they probably don't. I mean, they don't look anything like a bowl game. But it's like we've been screaming all year, make a friggin' play. Stop the Oklahoma comeback. And then that's on the coaching staff as much as the players because I don't think Kwiatkowski's making the adjustments. You know, I'm so sick of these two high safeties and these cornerbacks that are given a 10-yard cushion and – yeah, okay, they don't have great linebackers, but they brought in some linebackers and who are great. They were available for a reason. And they're and they're not on the field and uh and the D line. I mean, for all the uh positive strokes that Bo Davis got after the leak video, his D line hasn't measured up either. I mean, that was supposed to be the strength of the team. Sarkeesian has told us that for tw- 10 months that yeah, I love our our depth and our strength of our D line, but they don't have one playmaker on there. And, you know, we thought, I personally thought Alfred Collins was going to be that, but after, after that bowl game, we're like, that guy's going to yeah. be a star. Yeah. But he's probably yeah, but- a defensive tackle, not an edge rusher. And where's Jatavion Sanders? You know, he's just a tight end. He's playing tight end. Doug. Yeah. He's tight he end. Is. He is. Well, you, you got so many edge rushers. You don't really need him at uh at edge rusher, you don't really you don't really need him at tight end. And and when if they and when is their edge when have their edge rushers gotten home? You talk about you have them, but they're not making an impact. And their blitz and their blitzes are terrible. I know Todd Orlando would do that a lot. You blitz him from Fliggerville, and oh my God, he's four yards away, and they throw the pass. The blitzes never work. How many successful blitzes have they had this year? Not that they blitz that much, but there's and, a reason and, they don't blitz much. And I'm looking, you know, Texas is seventh in the 10-team league in defense, giving up 40 touchdowns, 40. And they're second in offense, and they're averaging 38 a game. You average 38 a game, 
you shouldn't be sitting here four and six. Okay. You should be you should be six and four, seven and three, maybe even eight and two, Duck. Maybe they were so close to being five and one, yet so far. And I'm I'm telling you, it's a it's a uh it's a question of defense this year. The offense has been okay. The offensive line, we've we've ripped them. They deservedly so. Um, and I'm not gonna even call them by name. They they're all very below average. But the defense has been the story of 2021. And um, and you know, you being the the scholarly columnist that you are. You ask him about the defense. Check this out. Uh, yeah, Steve, I wonder if you anticipate considerable roster turnover and expect more transfers. And a second part is, do you feel like you need to get more involved in the defense and being play caller and head coach? Good, two good questions. Um, I think one, you know, I'm looking at the way this thing is shaping up and some of the new NCAA rules. Um, I could easily see us with 33 new scholarship players on our team by next fall, which when you look at a number of 85 total, 33 will be new players next fall. Uh, you know, more than a third of our roster will be will be new. And that's that's the nature of the business that we're in. Obviously, the transfer portal and the NCAA has provided that for players to go and do that. Um, you know, clearly we have to find the right balance into how much we interact in the portal as opposed to how much we dive into recruiting really good young players out of high school and then developing them over time so that you have sustainability uh, on your roster. Um, so, yeah, the fact is, I mean, if you think about 33 new scholarship players, you know, kicking off the season next year, that's a pretty big number, you know, considering, you know, what normally it would look like when a lot of teams are in that 20 to 25 range right in there. So pretty big number, but that's that's part of the process. I think from a defensive perspective, um, I would envision that happening, um, especially as we move into the offseason. I felt like it was so important to get us kind of settled down you know, I had to focus in on what we were doing offensively, big picture as a team. We've got great experience on our defensive staff with, with PK, Bo Davis, Jeff Choate. I mean, these guys have been doing it a long time at a high level. But I do think I have some, some real um, experience and expertise uh, in coaching football where I can add some value to, um, you know, what we're, what we're installing, how we're coaching it, and how to play some of the plays that now I'm getting used to our conference of how people are attacking us and maybe a different way to defend things. It's the same old excuses. Yeah, yeah, it is. And like like I said, what, I mean, they've thrown two pick sixes. Where are their pick sixes on defense? I mean, you know, it's funny. The special teams has been good. Cameron Dicker's been nails. I think they, he's the they haven't had, They haven't had the big kickoff returns from Jamison or punt returns. Game but they blocked some punts. They but blocked, they blocked some, punts, some punts, yes. But they're not getting their returns. Uh, Dicker's been excellent. You know, he's not even getting that many field goal chances, but I think he can be the all-conference punter. I think he's had that good a year. But, uh, yeah, you, you need – I don't know if I've ever seen a Texas team more that needs a cheap score or two, a pick six where you just throw it up in the air or, you know, a Deshaun Jameson – you know, 65-yard punt return. They're just starving for something, an easy score. Because, like, we were watching Kansas, and Kansas is just going through them like warm butter. And then Texas going, oh, here's an 80-yard drive. It takes 10 plays. They are matriculating. They are matriculating, yeah. and Kansas in five plays is back. 
Uh, other things, Napier Worthy, where's the explosiveness, you know? And the line's been so bad, so we weren't seeing big chunk plays from Bichon, you know, during this five-game losing streak. And now Bichon's done for the year. You know, God bless him. You know, he's so good, I want to adopt him. Uh, Josh Thompson, he's gone. And Jonathan Brooks, the other running back. Bruce Shoulder, probably not going to play. So it's Roshan and Keelan Robinson. I want to see Keelan Robinson carry the ball a dozen times and just see just what he see. can do. Just to see. Just to see. But Roshan will probably get the bulk of the carries. And Daniel Young, the closer. The closer. Bring him in. Let's rename him the opener. Give him some first <laughs> quarter totes. Oh, my God. I don't know if uh, – I'll be surprised if they win Saturday in, in the mountains there. I really I'm not, will. I'm not I picking just, them again this year. I'm not either. You, you can't pick them. You can't pick them. You just throw in your pick away, I think. so. And I need to know, I need to figure out when how many times I've picked them. I think I've picked against them twice this year. And they should have – they should they should be – they should be seven, seven and three minimum. Yeah. Well, I, picked, I picked Arkansas to beat him. I don't think I've ever been more sure of a win than Arkansas at Fayetteville. And uh, but I really the one that kind of really grabbed me was the Bader game because you know they just come off two close losses to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. And I thought, okay, they they've still got a chance at you know getting second place here. And it's like they went up there and laid an egg. But you know, know the one thing we do, Doug, is we you know because we're around them and we're close to them and we cover them. We sometimes give them the benefit of the doubt. We play the desperation. Oh, they're desperate. They're going to be pissed off. They're going to go in there and they're going to be, their hair is going to be on fire. They haven't played with any desperation this year. No, no. They Uh have, they, I haven't, I haven't seen their hair on fire. I haven't seen them getting into scuffles with the other team. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen, I haven't seen any, any, uh, you know, any, any, any urgency, any rage. And so yeah. I think I just think that there are a bunch of nice guys who are, are very good at football collectively. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, B.J. Foster, what a disappointment he was. I mean, he didn't show up at all against Kansas. I thought Scooter actually played pretty well the last two games. He's, so. had, he's had a nice stretch. He just yeah. didn't catch that ball. And Luke Brockermeyer is just, you know. Oh, they just throw it over. He, he drops. He drops back in coverage, and they just lob it over his head every time. Well, and then the other, he had the quarterback. You know, in his sights, right there, like the five yard line, he just glances off of him and runs in the end zone. You know, Luke Brockpart, good kid, nice kid, but just a guy. You know, he shouldn't be guy. starting for your Texas defense. So they just got so many holes there, and you know, you. you you combine holes with some lack of experience and maybe some lack of want to because some of the, you know, Keandre Coburn and Casey Thompson were hinting more than hinting to us this week on Monday that, yeah, some of the guys may need to leave here because even Casey said there's probably 10% of the group that haven't bought in yet and aren't accountable and you got to figure it out. So, and, and do you really want to be coaching a, um, some malcontents during a bowl season? I mean, I, that's time better spent get, getting rid of the malcontents yeah. and, and getting and getting your ducks in a row for next season and figuring out what this recruiting class is going to be, how these new kids fit in. So um, I, I, I'm never a proponent of, of losing, uh, but but in this case, I just don't know that, uh, that extra bowl practices for guys who don't want to be there will benefit the Longhorns moving forward, Duck. So how about this scenario? 
win your last two, go six and six, and decline a bowl game. They won't do that. They'll take I the bowl know. game. They'll oh, I know. They will. Exactly. I, don't put it, I really don't put it past them to win these next two games, but I would never pick them to do it. Yeah. I, I mean, would never pick them to do it. I mean, to me, to me, the only way they win Saturday said is that they get one of those cheap scores, a pick six, uh, a punt return, block punt for a score. They got to get something cheap because, boy, the minute some adversity strikes, they just seem to kind of fold up their tent. Although they came back from 21 points down twice. So the offense had some fight left. And Marcus Washington, Played really well, and I thought he got screwed on that penalty, spinning the ball. I mean, come on, look the other way. He wasn't taunting anybody. You're, you're not getting the benefit of the doubt from Big 12 ref stuff. You just right. aren't. Exactly. They get a chance to stick it to Texas. They're going to stick it to them. Yeah. They're taking yeah. money. Because maybe those game checks aren't as fat next year when it's Cincinnati at Baylor <laughs> as opposed to Texas at Baylor or OU at Baylor. Uh, Those game on. checks might not be as fat. So, <laughs> so if you spin the ball, you're getting 15, fam. You're getting 15. That's yeah. just how that is. Yeah, and we'll see a few horns down on Saturday in Morgantown. Just a couple. Just hey, a we couple. thought we thought at Gonzaga they're doing the horns down basketball <laughs> game in Spokane of all places. So oh my God! Let's get this season over. There. That's called a tease, Doug. Let's get to our basketball guest on second thought. Crime lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello. Plus, better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Duck, uh, it's basketball season officially, and the Texas Longhorns are off and running, and we are joined by their illustrious head coach, Chris Beard. I call him CB, uh, even though I don't really know him that well. So how would you uh, describe uh, the game against Gonzaga? We're disappointed ultimately in the outcome, but uh, it was exactly what we needed. You know, I told the guys before the game, it really doesn't matter what happens in this game. We are who we are, and we have to start somewhere, and it's all about where we go from here. Um, I love the game. I loved it when we scheduled it. Um, I'd play it 100 dollars, uh, and now it'll be really uh, pivotal and important where we go from here. Drew, we see a handful returning All-American, career-high 37 points. I mean, he's just a load for anybody. And, uh, you know, your front court, you're not the biggest team in America. We all know that. Uh, who, who would you say stood up the best? Uh, Evan, ask you hit a few moments. I don't know if you're Marcus Carr's performance or what do you feel like you got out of those two? I wasn't disappointed in anybody. I mean, I'll take a lot of credit. Um, you know, I've always had a problem with the coach. It kind of sits around and talks about the number one team in the country for a reason. They have one of the best home courts in college basketball for a reason. Um, so we just didn't play well early. You know, it needed to be a game that we were down 10, 12 points at halftime, and we would have had a chance to get back in it. Um, but we just dug too too big of a hole. In the second half, 
you know, I would argue that we outplayed them. It was a tell of two halves. Uh, we cut the game to 10 or 11 points three times. Uh, we just couldn't get that one more momentum play to get us over the hump. Um, but certainly not disappointed in the guys um, individually, just kind of disappointed in our team that we didn't take take advantage of the opportunity that we had. Chris, um, what were the conversations like back on that flight? That is a long-ass flight back to Austin. So you had plenty of time to walk that aisle and and pull each guy aside and tell him what you thought. What were some of those conversations like? Because I love that, I love that you schedule an early season test. That's that's a great way to find out where you are. Yeah, no question, especially first year with new players. Um, again, we love the game. Um, look forward to having those guys back in Austin next season, you know, for hopefully a, a different outcome, but same kind of marquee matchup. Um, you know, that we just stay the course. The, the, the conversations after the game were very similar to the conversations before the game. We're going to learn a lot about ourselves tonight. We did. It's a starting point. It was. Uh, now we just got to get better. So I'm a guy, you know, as you guys get to know me and I get to know you guys, I, I don't get too high or too low. We're going to win some big games around here. We're going to have some disappointing games. I mean, you stay the court, you know, when it matters most, which is March. No, I want to ask you about uh, Dylan Dice, who, uh, you know, your big guy from transfer from Vanderbilt, led the SEC in rebounding, uh, still coming off knee surgery in February. What's his timetable, and uh, when do you hope to, to get him back on the court for you, Chris? Yeah, Dylan's obviously a difference maker for us. He's a special player. Um, what he did in the SEC was real. Um, he's had some adversity with an injury. If he didn't have that, he, um, you know, might've been a 21 draft hopeful kind of guy. He's right there. He's a great player. We have high expectations for him. I wish I had just kind of a clear window for everybody, but I don't, what I can tell you is that he's, he's ahead of schedule. I think it's very accurate to say in a play sooner than later. I think it's very accurate that we're on a, a, on a week kind of process here. It's not months. It's not years. Um, he's practicing with the team right now. Um, so, you know, we hope to get him back as soon as we can. Um, this isn't a guy just trying to play his last, you know, high school game. Uh, this is a guy that's going to play basketball for a long. He's going to be in the NBA. I want to ask you about Timmy Allen. Um, I'm I'm really intrigued by him. He's kind of a tweener, and uh, he's 6'6". He's, he's, he's big, nice size, uh, transfer out of, out of Utah. Uh, I, I mean, there are times when he he was had the nice mid range going, and then he shoot a three. Uh, is he trying to figure out what he is? Because I like I like him in mid range, but he's got the ability to make those shots. Uh, where is he as far as figuring out what you need from him on a night by night basis? Yeah, t- Timmy knows exactly who he is. Uh, he's a veteran player. You know, what he's done in Division One basketball speaks for itself. You, you guys can find the exact stat, or Scotty Mack will have it, I'm sure. But he was one of the only players in the country that had the combination of scoring, rebounding, and assist. He's an all-defensive kind of player, too. So he knows who he is. I think what safety is that we're all trying to figure out kind of how this thing's going to work together. You know, and, and we knew this, right? We're not changing our tune. This has been the – conversation since the first day we got the job as we put this team together and it'll continue. We're a work in progress. There's going to be some nights and man, we, we, we could beat anybody in the country and there'll be other nights that we all kind of scratch our heads and say, Hey, we got to, you know, we got to, we got to continue to figure this out. We just got to figure everything's going to work together. And it's not just the offensive end either. It's the defensive end. 
guys are trying to figure out, um, you know, kind of where we go from here. We can't get too low. Uh, we just got to keep getting better, and we will. Um, he is definitely one 100% capable of being physical enough to play in any league, uh, including professional basketball. Just about the consistency of doing it possession by possession. Um, and the best thing about Trey is he's a self-analyzer. He's a student of the game. He tells himself the truth and, and others the truth. He's very kind of hard and, and on himself. He's an analytical guy. And we're early in the stages. And I think the last game was kind of a microcosm of everything, right? There was obviously – but then I would argue there was some possessions in the second half where he was the best player on the floor. So, you know, we established him early in the second half, and we got to do a better job of that as a program, guard play, coaching. Trey is, is more than capable – of doing what we need done. It's just a matter of, of, of doing it and being consistent. And you're talking about scoring and you, you got what all these transfers or double digit scores. Uh, and you struggle to put baskets together consecutively at Spokane. Or uh, sometimes players like that too unselfish because they don't want to come in and get a reputation as a ball hog because they were scores in their last programs. Yeah, there's so true to that. I mean, the guy's hearts are in the right place that, the guys are coming down and they're trying to execute what we want done, the program. But then you've also got a lot of individual competitors there. You know, it's like, you know, Andrew Jones is an aggressive player. He's a killer offensively. He gets the ball. He wants to get a bucket. And we want him to play with that aggressiveness. But we also want to play with a balance. It's no different than you guys are familiar with some of these five-star high school guys coming in here that all average 30 and they've got to figure it out. It's no different division one transfers where everybody's remembers them seeing him seeing him play last year on national television. And it's kind of interesting to see how this thing will work out, but it's no different than any other team with new players early in the season. We're trying to work it out. Uh, but I think our guys hearts are in the right place. The right things are being said in the locker room before the game, after the game on the airplane. Um, there's a lot of accountability right now on our team. Um, and so, it, you know, it feels good right now. Again, the outcome isn't what we wanted. That's captain obvious, but it's a growth curve. Um, it's a game that we played on purpose, and um, we intend to make the game help us as the season goes on. It's like a good stew, though. You know, you cook a good stew, and you never eat that stew the day you cook it. You let those flavors marry in the fridge, and then that next day you warm it up, and everything's tasting so good. Um, you, you're you're putting in the, the pieces in place early in the season, and you're hoping that it'll bear fruit by Big 12 play. Um, your veterans, those four guys that you brought back, the program veterans, uh, Jones, Cunningham, uh, Febris, and uh, Ramey, uh, how have they been with their new teammates? And um, uh, I know you've had all offseason to get them to know each other, but on court, how do you see that uh, starting to meld uh, early in this season? I think all four guys have done a good job to this point. Uh, they executed about everything we could in the summer, the preseason. You know, now the next step is we're playing games. So I can answer that question in terms of what's happened. And they've really they've done a great job. They've all been open to change new things. Chris, you is that uh, you obviously bit off a lot with Gonzaga. Uh, some a lot of the rest of your schedule isn't near as tough. And I wonder if is that partly by design because you knew. Uh, the makeup of Easter was going to be so new and wanted you wanted more cohesion and chemistry than maybe the severe challenges like you got from the Zags. Uh, not necessarily. I mean, we're, 
you know, there's only number one, only one number one team. Right. So we can't, can't play Gonzaga twice. Uh, I'll tell you, we'll just kind of see how this thing plays out. I think there's some really quality NCAA tournament teams on our schedule. I think you guys are going to be um, overly impressed um, with Northern Colorado tomorrow. It's a team that's already won um, a road game against Hawaii. They beat Pacific. They're really good guys. I think they've got a player that will play in the NBA on their team. Um, they're one of the oldest teams in college basketball. They return six to their top seven. They have five guys in double figures, and they're one of the best rebounders in college basketball, and that's just tomorrow night's game. Um, so I think as this thing goes on, Seton Hall is really good. Stanford plays in the Pac-12. I mean, I, I think the schedule will pay dividends, and we all know what Coach Barnes is going to bring here in a couple months. Um, but scheduling is a different deal. You know, it's uh, obviously the sport would be a lot better if we could all schedule our um, schedules when we know exactly what team we're coaching, but that's not the way it works. Okay. Kind of like football, you know, they schedule those games 10 that's years right. ahead of time, you know. I think both sports would be a little bit better if the scheduling was a little bit different. I don't know how to get that done, but that's just my opinion. Well, man, we appreciate you being with us today and uh, dropping some knowledge on us and uh, hope we get to do it again real soon. And uh, congratulations on the good early start. And I know great things are ahead. Thank you, guys. I'm here for you anytime. Sorry about the, uh, the, the audio stuff earlier. Take care. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Bye-bye. On Second Thought. lovers are always looking for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. Duck, once again, we apologize for the choppy audio, but Chris Beard always has his game face on. Now, this was taped on uh, Tuesday, so the Longhorns have played another game since then. That's why we were so Gonzaga heavy on, on, on this podcast, but... It's going to be an interesting mix uh, to see. Um, I, I I know he said that uh, his what's uh, Timmy Allen knows what he's doing. He does, Doug. But I saw yeah. him taking too many threes uh, against Gonzaga when he's more of a mid range guy. Yeah, and the offense was very spotty. You know, I think uh, sometimes they are a little bit too selfless. We know they can score because these transfers all scored in double figures. And then when, once they get Daisu back. Uh, Obviously, you can hear Chris Beard's excitement about his potential. So, and you know, he led. Hey, I looked it. I looked it up. It's Disu. Disu, excuse it's me. Disu. Yeah, Dissu. I looked it up. I looked it up. Who is not as soft as tissue because he's physical and he gets after it. And he's a Fleurville guy. Of course, he's tough, right? He's Hendrickson. He's from Hendrickson. They have good basketball over there. Um, I'm um, before we get out of here, uh, just a little bit on the NFL. Uh, the Cowboys are playing at the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, I wish I could go to that one. That's going to be a barn burner. The resurgent Cowboys and the resurgent Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think the Cowboys are going to go in there and hand it to Patrick Mahomes and I company? Do. You do. I Why? believe in the Cowboys. I believe in the Cowboys because they're a more complete team. They're on both sides of the ball. They are so improved. Michael Parsons. 
you know, Trayvon Diggs, I mean, Parsons may be rookie of the year. I mean, they're getting it done. They're playing complimentary football, which we haven't seen any of in Austin this year. So uh, I think uh, Kellen Moore's team – oh, I'm sorry, Mike McCarthy's team uh, <laughs> will we'll go into Arrowhead and get it done. Uh, I like hey, the – I think they're a top three team right now. I'm, I'm taking the Kansas City Chiefs. No, you're not. The Dallas Cowboys. Yes, I am. Oh. Yes, I am. Why are you calling the upset? I think your boy Travis Kelsey – Finally, has finally found himself. And I know I kicked your butt in the fantasy league game this week, but I think Kelsey is back. Tyreek Hill got back in the end zone. He got some paint on his pants. And Patrick Mahomes is starting to figure out that it's okay to not hit a home run. He hit a lot of doubles on uh, Sunday night. I think I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to get enough stops, and they're going to beat the Dallas Cowboys. 37-34. That ought to be a, a ratings uh, bonanza uh, this this weekend. And I'll say this, it's, it almost seems like uh, college football is trickling it up into the NFL. When you see Tampa Bay look crummy and, and Bruce Arians says, we got a dumb team. So we're just uh, stupid. Yeah, we're stupid. The Rams, no show against the 49ers, you know. And the like, Buccaneers, no show against the fighting Daniel Snyder. I said, Bruzarians called them stupid. And, and Buffalo Bills, no show ago. against Jacksonville two weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. You know, Miami, you know, raising up and, and beating people. So the Houston, the Houston, t- oh, no, 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 no. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't go, don't go that far. But it just seemed like there's getting to be parody and, NFL, same as in the, the college ranks where you got Georgia and everybody else. So should be exciting playoff, uh, at least for the NFL. Well, what about college? What's wrong with the college playoff? Because Georgia's gonna mop up against whoever. You really think Georgia's just gonna 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 do said golden a solid and make him right in the preseason yeah. picking the Bulldogs. I think you so. think they're gonna win the championship. No, oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Oh, wow. Oh, and I wow. think really maybe the only team, maybe Ohio State could stop them because they're kind of on a roll right now. C.J. Stroud is really playing well. But I I just, I don't know, I just like Georgia. I mean, that defense is a generational defense. So uh, Kirby Smart, better get it done this year, Kirby. If you don't get it done this year, people are going to lose a little faith. And one more thing, shout out to Vic Schaefer. Yeah. Shout out to the Texas women for going up to Palo Alto and taking out the defending reigning national champion, Stanford Cardinal, Aaliyah, Matharu, Rory Harmon, Audrey Warren, the sergeant at arms. Didn't even need Kendall Hunter. (laughs) Didn't need Kendall Hunter. Played, what, three minutes? Yeah. So they are – Vic Schaefer has announced to college basketball that the Texas Longhorns are coming for championships. This is real, Doug. I just, you know, the thing that saddens me about that is that why isn't Vic Schaefer coaching this football team? Oh, I my mean, God. You know, he's oh got the God. passion. He, he's got the Bo Davis passion without the vocabulary, you know. But uh, in all seriousness, just like you said, hats off to him to, to pull that off on the road. Uh, against a returning national champion with like four starters back. So it's very impressive. Hats off to you, Vic Schaefer. Had you on the podcast. I'm sure that's why he had the good karma 
So hopefully now he'll come back again. Hopefully we'll get him and CB on in the very near future. Um, I love this part of the year. We got a little bit of football, a, lot, a little bit of local football left with the Longhorns. The uh, high school guys are still up and running. Uh, Westlake rolling. I was at the Hutto game, and there's several teams still out there. Uh, we'll probably, Doug, be at, a, be at a high school game here in the next couple of weeks as uh, is, is these local teams make a run at state championships. So we're going to be all over it regardless And that will do it for episode 242 of On Second Thought. Thanks to Chris Beard for joining us. Uh, Safe travels to those of you headed to the mountains. Kirk Bowles, Danny Davis, and Brian. We will be back next week with more hijinks and hopefully better audio. For the Doug Kirk Bowles, I'm Sid Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.